three, two, one, and we are live. How are we doing, Aaron? <laughs> Finally, was able to get you on here um, to actually have a proper one-on-one -on -one and sort of, I guess, frame you out properly because you've been featured in a lot of other stuff. And I guess we like to use this situation to actually have good one-on-one -on -one hangouts and properly focus on people instead of just rotating through individuals on, like, the pseudo-podcast. So welcome. Thank you. I feel so honored. As you... I guess you should. <laughs> it's like nine episodes deep, and this might this might have been, like, my first important podcast, and then it's the one... It's literally the idea, idea that's branched out everywhere else. Oh. So... Um, to lay the groundwork, Aaron Bryant here is a actually very new friend to um, Melanie and I and everything. Um, we made friends really fast actually when you were down here in Florida, between because yeah. um, Tyler introduced us, and I think we're almost. It's not really new, met, new though, is it? It's like a year ago. It's like a year ago now. Like well, you, you we met and then you graduated a little bit later. Like we were probably the last people you invited to your graduation. Like party out at Disney, not on account of forgetfulness, but on account of these are new good friends. They shall come with me. Yes. Basically. Ugh. So we met through Tyler Die and basically messed around with um or at least tried to help work with Xander Brow getting Unknown Plumbers season three going. And then we got to go out to Disney. Where's the notation for your graduation party? Oh, uh, that's right. Because we were doing the um, the script meetings. Mm -hmm. That's where we met. And then I did the filming for, I think I was Lucas. We first met with Tyler's party. And Tyler was like, "No, I'm bringing. Right. This, I'm bringing this guy Where in to play." Everybody's car ended up getting towed. Yes, yes. Like two people's cars got towed that night, and I ended up covering for Corey, whose car got towed because we had to go out to. So what's this? We're. It's at the apartment complex, uh, not really directly across from UCF's um, stadium, but basically like North right Gate next to Lakes. it. Northgate Estates. Northgate Lakes. Northgate Lakes? Lakes? Don't so, live there. It's terrible. Was it actually terrible? Outside of the whole car towing thing? or I mean, outside of that, um, when I first moved there, it was pretty great. Um, and then, like, a year or two into me living there, there was a new manager of the housing, and everything started becoming terrible. The, the new housing manager was the one who got rid of the theater. Okay, break that one down. I remember you raging about this. Yes. So there was a theater in my apartment complex, a small theater with, with like theater tier seating where it was like four seats in a row, but like 20 seats in total. So it was like one, two, three, yeah. four. And there was like a, a projector in the room and a sound system. And they replaced it with another gym which there were already two. 
seems redundant. It seems to take away a really good opportunity to watch movies with people. Yes. That's why I was angry. As a film student, I'm sure <laughs> you could understand my vitriolic rage. Oh, Jesus. oh my gosh. Yes, I remember you screaming very loudly by the pool in the middle of the night about that one. Yeah. And then... Scream worthy. Well, that was a fun night outside of like what it cost. Um... Because I was actually, because yeah. we had a good hangout with Corey, Billy, and Tyler, talking a lot of sort of rotating between. We talked rotating between so many topics that night, D and D, and other nerd culture stuff. I feel like we probably touched on like DBZ abridged, and probably a you lot. guys jumped into Hellsing or something. Um, but as I remember, I was leaving. I was like walking from the pool to the parking lot. And I saw a tow truck leaving with the sedan and went, oh, that sucks. And then I couldn't find my car. Like, <laughs> and I remember kind of where I parked. And then I came back and went. They oh. did it so fast and silently. Oh, it's ridiculous. Here's like, I have the impression because that was. If you were there or you might or may not remember when we were actually at the tow truck company's location that night. There, mm-hmm. They had one tow truck, which means they literally probably picked mine up at the beginning of the night or something like that drove all the way to Forsyth from like the UCF side of town which is like a 30 minute one way and then drive all the way back to pick up Corey's car to take it all the way back yeah and then we're hanging out in front of there for probably 30 minutes waiting for him to get back from his most recent catch disgusting predatory businesses well it was really ridiculous on account of there was available parking there was like a massive parking lot way in the back of the damn complex but it, but it was during, I think, it was like the summer. Yeah, it was around the summer. And well, Your graduation most, party was a while away, so like maybe summer, like post-spring semester was a bit away. But It was still like nobody was there. Yeah. Though. Like the apartment complex was primarily empty. Yeah. And they were, they dead ass like must have been like scanning like, that guy pulled in. I'm going to wait till he's gone. Then I'm going to look at his car. Oh, like, I, I how bet. is that legal, that kind of business practice? I think that's just the play. I don't, I don't understand what kind of challenge they came into that led to, we're going to tell everyone that doesn't park where we want them to park. But, I don't like, think that it was necessarily a, a problem that occurred. I think it, it was that housing instru- that housing person. Just got way like controlling. I said, extraordinarily. Well, like, um, here's, here's, a, here's a question to ask, going back to like your theater thing. Is there any... Because I know there is, because we tried this um, back when I was at Valencia, what films are like limited in terms of like giving a view to, to the public? So like we were trying to figure out what movie or what sort of auditorium we could use or setting we could use to have like a big sort of cinematic event. And we found out we could only use um, Mockingbird or um, To Kill a Mockingbird. And there was like a limit of people you could have, you could show that to for free or for charge without having to like contact for licensure fees. But I don't feel like a 20 or 25 seat like side room at an apartment complex is going to be a legal fucking issue. It's just an extra large living room. 
And I yeah. don't and I don't feel like that's I feel like it's already there. Why are you going to go through buying a bunch of other fucking workout equipment to populate a third gym? Unless there like is there that much dim, demand for a fucking gym? I really at a, didn't know. At a complex of UP of UCF students who automatically have membership to UCF's gym, which I I'm gonna guess is like a 24-hour gym, and he's gone. Is he gone or am I gone? I don't know why I did that. You okay there, Aaron? It said I was AFK. <gasps> I need to fix a setting. I need to fix a setting. I need to fix a setting. Please hold, everyone, while I fix this Discord server's setting, because I'm an Egypt. I, I, I was so confused. There's, I'm like, but I'm right here. I'm at my keyboard. Yeah, it, it's set up for an AFK channel, and now it's gone. No AFK channel. Cool. So now we are safe from that. My apologies. It's okay. I forgive you. All right, so then let's roll this backwards before we met. Because um, that ended well. We went to Forsyth, paid the money, took our cars home, and that was like 2 in the morning or something. It was yeah. pretty straightforward. And I got, I got paid back and everything. So if we're going to get a little bit of the intro play here of where do you – like what would you call your career and where would you say your career began, if anything, like that? Uh, when I was 11, <laughs> if we're getting down to like the, 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 the iota spark that created this monstrosity <laughs> where I'm at now, um, I was at a party in Tennessee in like the Bellevue area. I was visiting my dad for the summer and it was a block or a house party for one of our neighbors. Mm. And there was another group of neighbors there that was like the neighbors, the house down from us. And I started talking um, to my dad and I was just sitting there being awkward because I was a very awkward child who grew into a very awkward adult, but the kind <laughs> of awkward that worked for me, you know, um, pretty happy about this kind of awkward for some reason. <laughs> and so my dad's getting along really well with them. And um, I talked to one of his, uh, one, one of the people's children and we get along well and talked to his brother, um, his younger brother. And we get along well. My dad tells me um, we're going to play a game. And I'm like, Okay, what what game? It's like Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm like, I had only heard like vague, uh, like tellings of it, and I was like, okay. So he takes me to the shop. He buys this bunch of like old decrepit books. When I say decrepit, I mean they were falling apart, um, because they were from the original sets. Like the bindings are just like pulling apart. The glue is gone. It's just pages yeah. put together by trust. Yeah. Trust and the, the destiny that was to follow. Um, <laughs> so I pick up the book for the first time. 
and I had no idea what I was what I was getting myself into. But three days later, I had read every book he had gotten, and that was near a thousand pages worth of material. And I, I could tell at that time he was probably never prouder of me than those couple of days. And I'm like asking all these questions and building, um, I built two characters, Jareth and Clara. Mm -hmm. um, one to be the kind of person that I wanted to be in real life and one to be the kind of person I never thought I would be able to be. Um, like, like, so a reasonably attainable character and then an impossible to attain character. Yes. Um, okay. Jareth was the attainable character. Okay. Um, he was a warrior. Um, which I attained. <laughs> um, and he was like, uh, I think 20 something. He, he was six foot two, uh, with, um, long brown hair and brown eyes but he, he looks like how i see myself now like i didn't know that i was going to look like the character that i had imagined but i think subconsciously i was just making a future image of myself um as this character even though you have black hair it's not it's only black because of the lighting i just i always remember you with black hair or you have brown it, that's that dark like, I know my hair looks kind it's of... It's a very dark brown. Um, yeah. In the summer, if I'm outside for, you know, more than five minutes, it, it gets actually pretty sandy. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot more like my, my beard um, in color. Mm -hmm. um, and then Clara, who was this tiny, demure elf, very graceful, <laughs> uh, who studied uh, magic. Mm-hmm. And my dad was like, okay, why, why, why are you making these two characters? What do they have to do with each other? And so, and he wasn't asking in like a, a confrontational way. He was yeah. trying to prompt me. And so I made this whole story about how um, Clara was a refugee from somewhere and was, wasn't strongly um, adept at magic yet. And she was like getting bullied. And this kid who um, was an orphan who got adopted by uh, a swordsman, found her getting beat up and, like, defended her. Mm -hmm. um, and that was uh, Jared and Clareth. Jared and Clareth? <laughs> Jared and Clara. That was their story together. Um, and eventually, throughout um, play, uh, I ended up getting those two characters married which now i realize as an adult is basically a child going to action physics now kid 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 yeah basically exactly you, like that you are the korean director with his two oscars <laughs> <laughs> um and in the long terms of the story uh they kept getting in situations where clara kept dying but death isn't nearly a permanent thing in dnd yeah, so Jareth was really not okay with them continuing to do that. He had never died up until that point. So wait, okay, let's let's break this down. This isn't you writing story. These are D and D stories, meaning that through chance, decision making, and the DM's God given talents or God given yes. talents, 
Clara, your ultimate impossible idea keeps dying while the attainable ideal, the attainable like character, just never dies. He never died. Like Ever. it's almost like those that are those that actually can exist in the real world are realistic and thus can survive, and those that are impossibly conceived actually cannot exist in the real world. Indeed. <laughs> so Jareth was having like really big issues with uh, with her dying because um, he was in love with her, and he was like, "You've got to you got to stop doing it." He was like, "Why is this any different than you doing?" He's like, "Because I don't die." <laughs> Eventually, um, there's a mechanic when that when you die um, and come back, you could go crazy from it. Oh, okay. Eventually, Clara developed um, like multiple personalities. So comes from, the brilliance. Yeah, from the uh, tragedy of dying so many times, one um, was a dwarvish nursemaid. And this, this, this elf thought they were a dwarf who was helping um, someone deliver a child. Another was a prostitute who thought that Jareth was their best customer. Um, and then I forget. Oh, the last one was a small child, like a cowardly, timid child. Um, and it got to the point where it was basically making it impossible for them to like live any sort of life. So he, he went off on a, a journey and I shit you not. Okay. Real quick. Mm -hmm. The minor context to this is that one, your DM is never letting your character actually just die and be gone forever. Cause I, I remember yeah. that's, that's one decision that can probably happen in a, in a session. Um, well, we also kept trying to bring um, them back whenever they did die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have a chance to fail and not ever be able to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay, so yours always is able to has always been able to come back thus far. So mm -hmm. that happens, um, and this is all happening when you're like twelve and thirteen, I guess, or something. It was over the years of of role playing that I did. It's okay, just the okay. Characters' okay, and, stories. Okay, I just want to make sure that's clear to everyone that this is like an eleven to teen with this character losing its fucking mind, not being able to permanently die and leave and have to create a whole fucking new one. And back to where you were go just about to go? So, Jareth was finally sick of it. He, he went and he found, and I shit you not, St. Nicholas. This was during our, one of our Christmas sessions. Um, of course it is. Of course it and is demanded uh, from him a way to uh, cure Clara's illness. And so he gave uh, him a map to this uh, device which separated souls that were trapped within the same vessel. Um, and that was the last thing that ever happened. There's no, there was never any closure to that storyline. So that's just hanging out there with like an old group that you d used to play with. Yep. Great. Well, <laughs> well, that You're like, God damn it! Where's the resolution? Well, 
I'm just sitting here just like, okay, what else happens? What else happens? Because I don't know if you got to listen to it. You should definitely go back and give it a listen to um, – this is the ninth episode, I believe, so episode A with Will Martin. He actually explains how to beat D&D and goes down that rabbit hole. Um, so I, I will encourage people to – I should probably clip that and like put that on – put that in like a separate playlist or whatnot. But there is like this sort of end game to D&D actually, and he helped a friend realize this. And get it actually approved by, I guess, the official um, council, I'd say. But I think it's just... But, but like, the people that run D&D... It's like, by the way, we've created an old one. Like a like the god? Like, like the, I, I think the there's, a, there's a certain limit of, like, attaining beyond godhood, like, twice with one character or something like that, makes mm. you into an old one. And his friend did not realize that in over a decade of playing the game with like friends and then his children and then by with will there that he'd actually created and created someone that was eligible and in fact uh an old one ah nice so will's like by the way like this is about how far away we are or you are with your character from turning them into an old one because they are above like a wizard and they're they are infinitely Able and powerful. In fact, like they're fighting another infinitely powerful, more devilish character and shit. Right. And that was just my first two characters mm -hmm. that I've, I've played over the years. I've played. I've been a thousand people at this point. Right. Which I think is very helpful to anyone who's looking for any creative endeavors or mm -hmm. looking to get into any creative endeavors. Play Dungeons and Dragons. Play uh, any kind of role-playing game. Yeah. Doesn't matter what specifically the system is. Um, it will teach you about creativity and uh, creation and improv on the fly. Um, so anyways, that's where my that's, career started. <laughs> that's where you start. What led you to, cause to sort of educate out is that you actually have become a game creator in terms of tabletop or digital tabletop. Um, mm -hmm. games. I don't think you've gone into any video game-like things, actually, but... Because um, I can't code. Can't code for shit. Uh, what it, what leads you to transition, instead from just being a storytelling um, mechanic or player of D&D? Because of we all know people that end up becoming filthy casuals of whatever they do, but then hmm. there's people that like want to transcend the meta of what they're currently playing and like define their own fucking thing. What... what I guess, intimated you towards making your own tabletop and card games? Um, so, after about a year of playing, when I was uh, 11, mm -hmm. I wasn't getting enough. It was like, I was a little meth head. You were a thousand pages deep with two characters that you were running side by side in one campaign with a string of adults. And you're like, I need more than just this. Yes. <laughs> in, in any in any situation, if that's how you feel about a thing, by the way, yeah, that's that's a thing you need to follow. You need like, to follow that feeling. If you unless it's drugs. If it's drugs, don't do that. Don't 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 do it. <laughs> well, that's that. I think that's. Would you call that something equivalent to following your passion? Like in a situation that might yeah. actually be categorized as that, like follow your passion in a way? Because I, I think that's a 
that's a line I think that's overused because I think there's too much of find your passion and follow it, and that'll like lead you to a money making way of living your life or something like that. But, yeah, and a lot of people don't know their their question is how do I find my passion? And yeah. I'm like, then start doing things. You do things, and when you find the thing that you can't not do, yeah, that's that's a passion. Yeah, like things that you just willingly do that others would call work. Yeah, just might be something on your list of passions. I was extremely lucky that this was brought to me at such a young age and that I was able to grow it from there. Yeah. Um, well, that gives, and you, I do cons- that gives you seven years of high school, middle yeah. school to, because I've kind of realized this at the moment I turned 18 and I had a job, any narrative game just fell away from my interest because mm-hmm. that requires like, I used to, when you played those games before, you didn't have a sense of time per se. Like, you played that in your evenings or your weekend, and you just spend all of your time on that. Um, and when I turned 18, I just got, like, my, my hyper-competitive came out. So I see I see that time of high school and pre as, like, almost unlimited time and ability to invest into something. Because after that, like, work kicks in, and then you have to, like, figure out how to readjust, I guess, your, your, life. your time. Yeah, your time in your life. You have to so, be more efficient, I think. Yeah. So I was 12, and I was like, I, I'm not getting enough. Mm-hmm. So I get my own books. Yeah. And I'm like, Dad, is there anything where you can make your own um, adventures? And he's like, yeah, that's how I, you know, uh, do with you. And I'm like, okay. And that was the end of my questions for him. <laughs> Um, and then for a month, every day I spent like, I think four or five hours statting out and writing up, uh, dungeons and whatnot. Um, and then I invited some of my friends and I was a little over ambitious at the time because I had, I think maybe eight people playing with two characters each because i had two characters so i thought that's just how it was done yeah no that's why i don't run games with more than four people ever now i'm just like four is my my cap maybe five if i know everyone there but nope no more than four oh, do you not limit, gonna do it do you limit them to one character each yeah now i do yeah i'm just like no, I'm I'm not gonna fucking. No. You traumatized yourself as a. As I a... did. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Um, and so the day came. Um, everyone had fun, but mm-hmm. for me, it was like herding cats. But the cats had duplicates of themselves, and every cat also breathed fire. Would you rather? Excuse me, I'm having, would you, I'm having a flashback. Would you rather fight a fire-breathing bear or a fire-breathing cat? The bear. Because when I die, at least people can say he died to a fire-breathing bear, and that sounds awesome. You die to a fire-breathing cat. It's still a cat. Okay, I guess my correction is tiger. But oh, if you know anything about grizzly bears. 
they kill. They are actually the apex predator of the globe. Grizzly Indeed. bears. Still, just buy still the bear. Right. Jesus Hashtag. If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die to the best predator on the planet. So you're overly ambitious. You're overly ambitious with your friends there, and there's like how many? How many, they had two two characters each. Sixteen characters in total. Um. Oh, the, I feel like the pace of that game was snail pace. It, no, it was not good. Oh God. oh God! Oh um, God! I'm waiting for initiative I used, for five I used the years. Term, I use the term jump cut frequently. <laughs> so um, after that, I was still invested, which tells you something. I didn't. <laughs> you set yourself up for the thickest, most slowest, most caudacious like session. How long was that session? Do you remember? I think it was like five hours. Five, so a five-hour grind. Did they even yeah. leave the first bar or the first like location? Uh, they got all the way to the the first town, um, and I think the first couple rooms of the dungeon. Okay. But that being said, I was um, I was trying to keep them in a in a dedicated pace. Yeah. Um, I didn't let them stay in one area too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I was much more railroady as a child. Yeah. Um, Fear because. My my head was. This is my story. You're all just people in it, <laughs> which is not the mindset to have. And I'm and I'm basically like now I'm super zen about it. I'm like, yeah, do whatever the fuck you want, man. I mean, the other day somebody literally launched a nuclear silo in one of my games, and I'm, and I didn't stop him at any point. I'm like, yeah, just fucking push the button, man. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> And he blew up an entire Riverside civilization because they wouldn't give him water. And he was a robot. He didn't need the water. I forget if it's, um, have you, I know you've met Billy. Have you met Evan yet? Probably. I have a bad memory. I'm not sure if you have yet. Cause I, I actually have not had Evan on, on any podcast yet, actually. Um, other than the beta ones back when we were testing out JHP, um, He's apparently the one that, anytime they come into a town, he his immediately move is to find and kill the sheriff. Which isn't nuclear, but it's, wow. it's the epitome of, I'm always here to fuck shit up. I am nothing but a fuck shit up person. I want to play a game with them. Only because a lot of my games, I run them very realistically. People are wouldn't just stand by and watch their sheriff get killed. Unless you're That's in, not how communities work. Unless you're in Django. <laughs> unless it's Django Unchained. <laughs> See, that that's the thing, though. They didn't watch him just get killed. The guy did it really quickly. They didn't have time to respond, and then he was, like, not resistant to the yeah. law. That's what I love about that character. He's the only person that I could say would be a murder hobo, but not killed immediately. Yeah. Because he's like, he shoots the person dead and he's like, take me to the law. I'll explain everything. It's like, I dare you to try me for neglecting the law on account of it's very clear that I know what the law fucking is. Exactly. Um, So anyways, uh, uh, S12 went through the game, still wanted to do it. And over the years, I actually kept working on the same dungeon. And okay. well, 
So when you say dungeon, you mean like whole universe, basically? Um, well, I mean, it expanded into that. Yeah, but you went from... But like, when I say dungeon, I mean that dungeon. So you have one dungeon and you're like relative... You, and like you have one dungeon that can basically just go down to hell that you've just expanded that far like it's the ultimate zelda adventure like it's a one dungeon nope. zelda game nope it's levels one to four hmm. i rewrote it 27 times you counted the rewrites yes okay um and the reason I, and I have other dungeons for higher levels and stuff like that but the reason I rewrote this specific one 27 times, it was the first dungeon I ever wrote. Yeah. Um, I added uh, plot elements and characters and, like, real story to it. Um, and it became about a town that has suffered numerous, like, casualties, um, or not casualties, atrocities uh, over the years. But it's still standing, kind of like um, Tornado Alley, how people, for some Just reason... keep rebuilding. Yep. Well, it's like Florida and tourists. Yeah. Um, and so I wrote that uh, 27 times. Uh, the 27th time was like four years ago. Mm -hmm. It was the last rewrite I did of it. And that was the, the moment when I looked at it and I'm like, I'm satisfied. Okay. Um, and during that time period, I've worked on all manner of other stuff. Um, yeah, but you kind of always come back to, um, you kind of always come back to that one. Just, is that like where you just always are picking for perfect? Because it feels like that's the foundational block that you started with. Yeah. And I think that's why, um, it was in my eyes, the real start of me becoming, creatively self-aware um like instead of being creative and thinking everything's golden but becoming creative and recognizing flaws over and over yes like that because i was um able to critique my own work yeah through that um and figure out what you know was full of plot holes what story elements i needed to add why something didn't work in a certain position um that first dungeon is still very tropey, but tropes, and this is always true, people, tropes are not a bad thing. Well, there's, there's a reason for tropes. There's nothing that's actually original. Right. Um, so why, but, not, why not actually rotate the originalities just well enough that they smell fresh? Exactly. Um, one of the characters that I added to it, and he's one of my favorites, is... Uh, Moon Eye, um, Truffle Hog, Rock Gut. And he is a dwarf who was so much of a trope of what dwarves were that most of the people who encountered him said he wrapped right back around to being fun and original. Like, it's like this character is so meta- like he's such the meta of actually like that character that he yeah, becomes his own character. It's well it's that's fascinating because it's almost like you're gonna have every element of this classic version of this character that it becomes a unique character somehow. Like it's almost like stereotyping the hell out of it and then they fit all the stereotypes, but then they find like an essence that's 
truly off, like original, I guess. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much how it was described to me when I asked them other people why they liked the character. I liked the character because it was very straightforward, um, and uh, he didn't seem super complex. Yeah. Um, but he didn't need to be. And over time, he actually, I realized, was more complex than I thought he was. Um, that character ended up going through this whole arc with a group of people where he became um, like King of the Dwarves. Um, and they were actually supporting his ascension instead of trying to be the king themselves. Yeah. Like the characters, like he didn't want to be king. And they were like, no, you need to be king. He's like, but I'm, I'm not king material. And they're like, listen, we get that you're scared, but you're clearly the best option for this. And so the characters supported his, uh, his rise to the throne. And it was weird to see that because I, I so expected one of them to just make a power grab. That's kind of what I was hoping for. Were you playing you know? this character, or was this just is, was this a character? No, it was a character that was an NPC. Oh, okay, non-player character, right? Yeah, non-player character. Yeah. Um. And these other the other players, one of them was playing his nephew. They were all dwarves, though. Yeah. Um, so all the like PCs look to the NPC and they look to the non-human and say, "You are our man now. You are the god now." <laughs> <laughs> basically um in terms of when i started branching out from uh just doing role-playing stuff i think i was about 18 or 19 at the time mm -hmm. when i realized the only thing i knew of role-playing was dungeons and dragons which isn't necessarily a bad thing but for me it felt like I now had such a limited toolbox because I knew there was other things in the world that I just didn't know about. So I started looking into other RPG systems and then I looked at Dungeons and Dragons and I was like, you know, this rule's stupid. I don't like this rule. I'm going to do this instead. And all my players were like, okay, then we played with it for a little bit, and they were like, "That's pretty cool. It works better now." So you were optimizing like, you were optimizing that version of D and D in a way, or yeah, I was I was running first edition at the time. Oh, okay. Um, they're like on edition like four or five now, right? They're on uh, fifth edition. Fifth edition. Yeah. Um, which the only one that I, I really love out of those is the the newest iteration, which is uh, fifth edition. Fourth edition, I thought was at the time that it came out, I lauded it as basically an unholy sacrament, an affront to God. Um, but I realized that was me just parroting my father's words. Uh, um, I, I, you know, I was a kid. I, I, I wanted his approval. Um, yeah. As, as an adult looking at the system, the system's well made for what it was trying to do. The problem is they didn't get the tools that they needed um, for that system made because it was originally meant to launch online. Fourth edition was. Um, with all sorts of tools to help play online because people were starting to play online. Yeah. Like voice calls and whatnot. Yeah. 
Um, and it just didn't translate very well to paper and pen, which is fine. You know, they, they had a specific uh, goal in mind for it. The great part about fourth edition's designs, though, was the enemies. Um, they had really interesting combat um, mechanics. But I was running first edition at the time, and I kept changing rules to it. And eventually, um, I was talking to people, and they were like, you know we're not playing D&D anymore, right? And I'm like, huh? Because I thought it was just like saying we're not going to play with you anymore, and I was like, "Yeah, it's not, it's not Dungeons and Dragons. You, you've made it your own thing." And I'm like looking over it, and I'm like, I realized I had a 20-page document with all these different rule iterations that I had done. A 20-page document? Yeah, that's how it started. Wait, um, okay, okay, because I, I think I heard you. I went, okay, 20 different rule changes, like one line a piece, like a one pager, but 20 items. No. It's a twenty-page side man. Okay, that. Yeah. And I was looking over, and I'm like, they're "Like you made your own system," and I'm like, "Apparently, I did." And they're like, "You should like try and expand on it because you're using all these things from you know the old game that." They don't really belong here anymore. And I'm like, you're right. You're about to be the sixth edition writer. <laughs> um, so I started expanding on all of the systems that I had in implemented and um, made my own races. Or rather, I didn't make my own races. I made my own takes on the races that existed. Yeah, I did eventually make my own races. One of them was um, a Bavarian, which is like a weasel person. Mm -hmm. um, and before I knew it, I had um, like 80 pages. Um with wholly unique systems that were uh, my game entirely. Um, which, now that I think about it, is hilarious, because that took me, like, I think four or five years mm -hmm. to, to get that much done. Yeah. During that time period, I was going through a lot of, like, weird, different emotional stuff though I was taking That's, what was that high school, school area high school middle school area no um really i got most of my work for that done when i was 19 to graduating uh college so actually in the last like six years per se basically yeah um and the reason i laugh at uh, getting 80 pages done in that time frame is um I got 60 pages done in two months when I was in Vegas with my dad, um, helping manage him for the World Series of Poker. Um, Your dad for, was a player? Uh, yeah. Nice. Um, you got busted out kind of early, though, because of a very bad set of hands. Ooh. Um, it was one of those situations where there was nothing he could have done mm -hmm. any differently. He played the game right. Yeah. It just wasn't in his favor. Yeah. Which is which is why which is why poker is still gambling, kids. 
no matter how much a skilled poker player will tell you it's not, it is a little bit of gambling. Yep, still a chance being played into it. Um. So anyways, in that two-month period, I wrote 60 pages of a setting called uh, Rad Wasteland. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to now. I have 128 pages of that setting done after I basically had to rewrite the entire book yeah. because of the way that um, the uh, Fantasy Flight Games um, uh, third-party laws work. Um, they're not open license, which means that you can't use their system to create your own um, like settings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Which is something great about Dungeons and Dragons. They're pretty much always open license after the first six months yeah. of release. Yeah. Um, because they actually want people to innovate, make and innovate. Yeah. So <laughs> I was working on it at the start of um, what you call it the um, the Corona uh, thing because I had all this corona free time. Thing. Yeah, Corona thing, no big deal. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't for me. I've, I've just been in this attic for, like, two months now. Day after day. <laughs> day after day, um, away with his mouse and keyboard. And so, in two months, I rewrote the 60 pages I had and added 68 pages. And now I have 60 backgrounds um, for character customization. Um I have just like a whole nother version of D&D, basically. Yeah, and it's a narrative system, meaning that it, it's not binary in success and failure. So you know how in Dungeons and Dragons you roll a dice and you either succeed or you fail at a task, Yeah. right? Yeah. You can the, the most variation is you get a critical success or a critical failure. Yeah, it's a three-way split or a four-way split. Crit failure, right. failure, succeed, uh, critical succeed. So that's really just using one dimension of storytelling. Yeah. The dimension of failure and success. It all goes on one line. Effectively, yes. The Fantasy Flight um, game system started um, using a, a set of dice that had three symbols on positive dice and then three symbols on negative dice Mm -hmm. the positive dice had success advantage and triumph the negative dice had failure threat and um i forget the name of the opposite of triumph but it's like i'm just gonna call it like a catastrophe or something okay and what that does is you have the binary of success and failure on one line, right? Mm-hmm. Now you also have the line of advantage and threat. And then on top of that, you have a Z delta of triumph and catastrophe. So now your story elements have three dimensions in which they can travel. You can succeed at something, but cause 
some something bad to happen through that success. Um, you can fail at something, but you can fail forward through that. Um, you can succeed at something in such a triumphant way as to absolutely crush everyone, or you can, see it, can succeed at something and it causes the worst possible result. You're muted, buddy. Because I don't want to have the keystrokes. So instead of the binary, have you created sort of like a tertiary, quadrary set of... It's tertiary, it's tertiary yeah. tertiary, which I would... I think the math on that would be exponential. So you had the three phases but of... If you did it just based off of numbers... Oh, it's... it's, it's instead Yeah. Of, instead of squaring it, you've cubed it. Yeah, um, which is why they did it off of symbols rather than um, mm -hmm. any numbers. So... I was like, I really like this system of storytelling because it's much more uh, in-depth. You as an improvisational kind of person, mm -hmm. I think would vastly prefer this system to Dungeons and Dragons. Possibly. Um, um, go ahead. I have the unfortunate thing of that. I've had very little like minuscule uh, experience in play. I've had a one-off with um, Josh, who we almost got to hang out with on the last podcast. Um, I've had two sessions at most with a uh, friend Lee, um, mm -hmm. and that was just a two character arc. Um, and he was, that was one of his first, um, campaigns that he orchestrated. So like episode one, like half the fucking night, like we're learning how to like fill our character sheets, but also he's creating like a very good masterful, like scene and arc or just like, like he just. It was one of those where it's like you're better off listening to the motherfucker tell a story than <laughs> play the fucking game. Because unfortunately, it was uh, Melanie and I, so newbies with a new um, DM and no veterans. Like that's that's the room. Yeah, three newbies trying to jump into D and D with only one of one person, the DM, having any um, back and forth. You have to have very, very, very strong D&D &D players in order to be able to kind of contend with a DM that's very, very good at storytelling like that. Yeah. I, I, I disagree. Um, because for all my experience that I've had, I've guided a complete group of new players through how to play the game and have fun doing it. But then again, I've also been doing this for over half my life. Well, I didn't hear half of that, so I'm going to kiss Aaron and go away. I'm right here. Why aren't you giving me a kiss? What? Want give him a kiss somehow. I don't there you go. Yay! <laughs> you soft bun. I am. <laughs> um, I mean, all that being said, um, what it sounds like is there's scheduling issues for you. Or not for you, for the other people involved. Yeah, there was. There was, definitely was. There definitely was for that situation. Um, <laughs> oh, I have to so, um, with that, I uh, in, invite an opportunity for you and Melanie. Just make a, a time that you want to play and I'll work around it. Word. Well, I 
I think we would appreciate that if the in the well, we stopped doing that with our friend Lee. Um, out of it became a sense of obligation, and not mm. something we looked forward to. And whether that mm. had to do with where we were at the time in terms of what we want to spend our time on, and also how the experience had gone for us. Um, That's fair. There's something to be said about taking dancing lessons with someone who is passionate about it, but their teaching style or their experience level or something like that doesn't cater to it or there's something in your life that just makes you go, I have to spend my time somewhere else right now. Um, but, yeah, I get that. But like for the, well, and then I don't think Melanie took part in Josh's one-off campaign that we did because Josh has attempt, attempted to, to do this with our, um, the regular Discord group that I'm with. And <laughs> it... It didn't, it fell apart in a way in that two of them kind of fucked around and really sort of pissed off the DM. But it became that dilemma of how much can you piss off the DM before the DM actually loses because it's almost 2 a.m. And this wasn't supposed to go on for more than six hours or something like that. I don't, uh, I don't do that. Like I, I, if, if there's people fucking around, I'm like, do you want to be here or do you want to leave? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause if, they, if, if, if it's that bad, like the way you're describing it, I'm just like, listen, there are people who well, want to play the fucking game. Well, that's where they would describe thing. They would describe bullshit. of like, I'm running around screaming everywhere in this cave that we like just got into or something like that. Or one of them suggesting, how about you strength test and punch the wall? Like, exactly. Like, like idiots. Like, so like it's, I think it was just one of those where Josh was really like hopeful on it. And while there are some of us that could have been more about it, um, it, it he just hasn't gone back to it either because of his family. Um, you know, the needs of the family or just um, the ability to have a regular thing because, I mean, the unfortunate thing about, at least for me and I think Melanie and I are both like this, is that dedicating ourselves to something weekly has to have a very, very good fucking reason. Like, there's... Since I turned 18 and left sports, I have not dedicated myself to anything weekly at all outside of school other than ballroom dance. Mm. ballroom dance has been the only thing that I and there was a lot of reasons that went into that between the girl that I was wanting to take to that to um, like swooner and then continue going in spite of her breaking <laughs> my heart and everything and going no I, I want to learn this shit um, fuck her um, that's been the only shit because I was putting my money on that and that ended up giving being able for me to give a piece of art that I helped choreograph and make and produce and record and give that to my mom while she was in the hospital like months before she passed. Um, and I still laugh hilariously about that moment I show her to her. And she's like, oh, yeah, I know exactly where you're at, honey, because you and I were just – we get into something we're like – just like <laughs> laser beam focused because she just read it on my face and shit. So that was like really good – a really good fun moment like with an iPad in the middle of Winter Park Hospital. Um, so that's where the, that's the only reason we've had with D&D and that's where I think um, especially with Melanie's issue um, you know we're doing Hotbox Voicecast um, hey. 
the only reason she isn't a part of the next episode with the Avengers 2012 is because it's been so frequent that it's drained her, drained her introverted energy. Um, and so this monthly version might actually bring her in better. Um, so between, it has to have a good reason for us to devote to it weekly of anything. And two, there's so many things we want to do or cycle through that if we were to do a D&D session, it, we, for me, I'd probably have to commit a production element to it um, mm -hmm. because I've had it in my mind for a long time that I'm not doing anything unless I am using it um, towards a greater goal. Um, I got you. And I'm... And I've learned how to just schedule vacation time and go out into the woods and um, fuck around, uh, so to speak. Shout out to my boy Jose who just got married and his bachelor party. Um, <laughs> but I just I I'm I'm way too efficient of a personality to commit time consciously and not do everything I can to maximize it. Like that's where that's fair. Like the Hotbox voice cast is um, at its base is Tyler's project, but if he wants to do a pure audio version but gives me the freedom to create a video side of it with, like, character images, webcam capture of the actors um, with, you know, uh, text and intro pieces, like, create a relative video interaction of it um, to showcase the physicality out of the voice actors, show who their faces actually are, present their names... Um, very clearly to like grab better at connecting to the actors. Um, I just see it as a better way to market people. Um, so whether or not that actually brings pseudo to a higher um, level of clout or just distinctly provides good marketing for the people that I work with, that's kind of what I, that's kind of how I think about it. Um, and that, that, so that extends to like a lot of the shit that I do. It's kind of yeah. where I almost. It's kind of where I stream like every night, even if it's probably for like just two or three hours. Mm. It's like I might as well be on. Well, that's why I said um, whenever you feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, yeah. There's no, <laughs> no set time limit to it. Uh, I just want you to enjoy. Yeah. You know, playing games. Well, um, I, yeah, I. I'll get. I'll, I'll see this last thing because I did want to say this before. I want to be better about getting the businessy side out of me and getting more of the improv side of me out um, to be more free to, I guess the simple line is to be silly or to be consciously creative. So I become unconsciously present, I guess. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um. What were we talking about before we got We were going into how you actually ended up creating your own gaming systems for tabletop right. and D&D-like stuff. So, um, yeah, over the past uh, two months, I've, I've rewritten the entire book, and I, I've added 60-something pages to it. Um, there's now an entirely unique set of weapons in the game. Um, the game is a little just a little bit survivalist um, in that you actually do have to manage like your resources. Um, but that goes hand in hand with the setting, which is like this desolate, barren, um, 
United States. Um, so like it is now, just with more fire. <laughs> um, but basically, the only the only places that have survived are the coastal cities. Um, and New Orleans is the strongest um, city in the entire uh, coastal union because they have the Mississippi River, which is a source of fresh water. And fresh water is one of the most um, important resources to, you know, being alive. Um, and so because they have such a vast um, flowing filtration system, because a river in itself, people, is actually a type of filtration system for water. Um, they're now one of the, the superpowers of the Coastal Union. Um, Who knew New Orleans would be important after Contreras? <laughs> we don't say it like that. What? This. Um. Wait, I'm sorry. I have to throw this in. Do you watch any stand-up? Uh, every once in a while. Do you watch? Um, do you have Netflix or have access to Netflix? Yeah, I do. Okay, then you need to watch like Tom Segura's, I think, two most recent specials. His most recent one is Ball Hog, but it has a joke in there that references his previous special where he talks about New Orleans. So, uh, to anyone out there, um, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you have your homework. <laughs> um, and so, I realized when... Um, I did the reading on how they did open, how they did their third-party systems. I'm like, well, I can just keep making the game, and you know, as a passion project. And then a bunch of people were like, "No, you should make your own system." And I'm like, "But guys, it's not that easy." And they're like, "Yeah, but you're you." And I'm like, "I guess." And I'm just like, "I'm just gonna make my. I'm just gonna keep doing what I was doing." And I laid down to sleep. And then three hours later, I woke up and my brain was like, you have to do it. I was like, fuck! So, and I spent 12 hours with the, with the rising sun, mind you, which I'm a nocturnal person. So me being awake while the sun is going up is fucking heresy to me. Um, so I spent the next 12 hours basically rewriting um, how the system works with a new set of dice uh, and a whole new set of probabilities for how uh, the game is supposed to work. And I made the cascade system. And the reason I call it that is because it, it goes down like a waterfall from the largest dice to the smallest dice. Um, and essentially, and I'll explain exactly how it makes sense. The more skilled you are at something, the less chance you have to fuck up, right? Yeah. So, you go from the largest dice, which is a D12, down to a D6. That's where you're pretty skilled at something. And you go from that to a D4, which is the highest level of skill you can apply to a dice in that game. Um, the D12 has two sides with blanks on it, a bunch of sides with only one symbol on it, a couple sides with two good symbols on it, um, and then one side with like a critical success. And th the same thing is um, applied to the inverse on like the negative side. So everything that I'm saying for the good dice also applies for the bad dice. 
When you get down to the D6, there are no blank faces on a dice. Only two faces have one symbol on them, and every other face has two symbols or the critical success symbol. Okay. And then when you get down to the D4, it only has two faces, or excuse me, two symbols on each face, which means you have um, you have no chances to just get one thing or a blank. And every roll of a D4 is basically going to be you getting either two successes, two um, advantages, or a success and an advantage, or the critical success, the, the triumph. And the inverse, of course, and the opposite of that. And the, the inverse of it. So, well, um, so you never have a success failure moment. You have a success, success, success advantage, or success critical, so to speak. Um, no, there's, there's, uh, there is uh, the contention. So, whenever you're rolling mm -hmm. your your die pool, you build your positive dice, and then the GM tells you what the negative dice are in that pool. Have you? Do you only have these in digital form, or have you actually created physical replicas of what these dice would be? Um, I actually am talking to somebody about seeing if you would uh, make physical print die. those dice. Nice. Yep. <laughs> but right now, excuse me, I only have a digital um, <laughs> representation. Representation of those dice. Um, if you want, I can actually show you on uh, roll twenty what those dice look like. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can figure out how to make an easy view of that. Huh. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Might have to create a new scene for this. Um, do you have an image? Is it just gonna be a straight image? Uh, no. I was just gonna roll a couple of the the dice. I sent you the link. Okay, let's see here. Rad wasteland. I already have an account in roll twenty, and I'm not authorized. <laughs> um. So I don't know if you can see all the buttons on the bottom when you click into it when you like press launch game. But no, there's no, a bunch I have, of bottom. I have, an, I have a not authorized. Either you are not logged in or do not have access to this page. And I, and I am logged in with like my name. Hold on. Try this instead. Red Wilson, launch game, right? Correct. I, I gave you the link to my view of the launch. Oh, okay. Which was the problem. Sorry about that. All right. So, oh, God, I can hear myself. Settings wheel in the upper right-hand corner. Click on that. Uh, settings, settings, yep. And you want to go down to, um, I think it's chat tech. Or... I want to broadcast yeah. to others. Uh, just put it to none. Yeah, nothing. Is there a save piece to that? Okay, I guess that updated it. Are you still hearing me? Not in the the thing. I can see okay, cool. here, though. So, um, do you see a bunch of buttons on the bottom of the screen? No. I see okay. our two faces. So, I think um, if you click on, like, the three um bars with three dots next to the setting wheel yeah it should say collection you can click on that you'll see the name for a bunch of macros yeah one b one k one zero one p or one yeah. right 
So those are all the different um, dice. Um, you don't need to add them to your bar. But um, let's say that you are trying to do um, something with like a strength test or something. Like you're trying to lift a boulder. Mm -hmm. But you have no skill in athletics. It's a big boulder, um, but you, you're pretty strong. You're like three strengths. So I'm going to have you roll three purple. That's your set of dice. Mm -hmm. um, versus three red dice. So the red dice populate. Then you compare those uh, the symbols that you roll. A bullet is a success. A horseshoe is uh, luck and um, a water droplet is a salvation symbol, but you didn't get a water droplet. You weren't lucky enough. Okay, so are you, sh are you showing this anywhere here on screen? Because otherwise I just have the graph uh, and stuff, right? Oh, if you look on the right-hand side where the chat is, chat, you chat, should chat, be able chat. to see okay. the dice. Okay. Alrighty. Oh, wow, that's a lot of things happening way earlier, way before I got here, I guess. Um, yeah, just we'll, scroll all the way to the bottom. Roll twenty. Okay, so let me. Okay, that's okay. That's live. Okay, cool. So roll three T base die with three symbols: the horseshoe and two bullets. Yes. So that's the positive dice that you rolled. Okay. It, it's a it's a Western theme game at its core. So. Oh, okay. Okay. I was that's, about to. That's like, why that's why bullets I are good. I didn't know orcs had horses and guns. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not. This game doesn't have. Uh, what tarnation's happening here at Helm's Deep? <laughs> um, and then the the negative dice on the bottom are red, um, like Nazis. Red. Sure, yes, like Nazis. <laughs> um, so damn cops. You got um two Gold. skulls, a snake bit, and. Uh, a radiation symbol, snake which is the word. Yeah, okay, I can see the snake. I can see the snake. Yeah. Can I zoom in? Which is, yeah, you can zoom in. On. There we go. Which is actually the radiation symbol is the worst symbol in the game. Obviously, so of course it would. Success and failure cancel each other out. So mm -hmm. your success, you have two. You also have two failure, but the skull is failure, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um. So you have no success and failure at the moment. Uh huh. Um. Your uh, your luck and snake bit, which is actually an old Western term meaning unlucky, mm -hmm. cancel each other out. So you have nothing there. All that's left is that radiation symbol. Okay, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. So, and so, what are we comparing the purple roll to the red roll right now? Correct. Okay. So the bullets and the and the um. Skulls. No. The bull so the bullets and the skulls are positives. Oh, excuse me. The bullets and the horseshoe are, are positive. Positives. Because they're purple. If they're red if they're if they're red, they're negative, right? Like that's correct. The, the color would represent what this symbol equates to. The all the negative dice are um red. Red well no, they're red, orange, and black. Because of the three different versions of negativity, as well as there's three different versions of positivity. Right. Okay. Red so, is the the simplest one. Mm -hmm. um, I think black is the second, and then orange is definitely the the worst. Okay, so begin again, 
and I'm getting more drunk as this goes. Um, <laughs> because this is like the rest of a Jaeger, bo- a Re- Jaeger bottle, rum, and then like a dash a of amaretto. A Jaeger bobble. <laughs> All right. So you're, you have two bullets, which counts as two successes, and a yeah. horseshoe, which counts as uh, one luck. Uh, um, you have two skulls, which count as failures, and one snake bit, which uh, counts as snake bit. Snake bit is an old Western term meaning unlucky. Okay. Uh, success and failure cancel each other out, so the bullet and the skull cancel each other out. Uh-huh. If you had more bullets than you had skulls, you'd be left with bullets so, meaning success. So because of this, okay, because uh, I can see the cursor, good. So that's where um, one bullet matches one skull, second bullet matches the other skull, but the horseshoe will match the snake by it, leaving just the radiation left over. Correct. Okay. So basically, you just got the worst symbol in the game and nothing else. Well, isn't this a great example for people to become attracted to your game? So if you were trying to lift the boulder... I, I could basically just be like the boulder crushes you. You take X amount of damage, and I'm I'm being very simple here. Yeah, the boulder the, the boulder laughed and gave you kidney cancer. Have fun. The boulder takes you for a ride. Well, you used to ride. The pioneers used to ride these babies all over the yard. So let's say that you're trying to lift the same boulder, but you've got some skill, like one skills worth of mm-hmm. training and athletics. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going to have you roll two purple and one blue because uh, the blue dice is you're a little bit skilled at something. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Fucking golly gee. Um, I am acquiring versus- sexual relations. Am I not? <laughs> Versus the three red that the rock represents. Oh. Okay, well, shit. <laughs> okay, that just got neutralized quadruple over. I just, All right, went, so, I just went from fully erect dick to now there's an axe on my dick. Now, now hold on. This isn't, this isn't necessarily bad. This is what makes this uh, system interesting. you got two salvation. That's the best symbol in the game. It can't be canceled out. Salvation period. being the water? The, the droplet? Yes. Okay. Salvation counts as a success and some sort of narrative implement that'll move the story forward. Um, and the horseshoe is lucky. Is lucky, yes. However, you got four snake bit. All the unluck. So one of them gets canceled out by your horseshoe, and then you still have three snake bit left. So the two salvation, you succeed and you change something about the narrative in your favor, basically. Right. So when you lift, when you lift the rock... And again, this is a very simplistic example. You find uh, the the six shooter of justice underneath the rock. However, the threat is when you place the rock down, the six shooter of justice rolls down the mountain into the pit of despair. This is a- okay. I actually okay. I think the my first impression is that. <laughs> Well, yeah, my first drunken impression with your game system is that it might come because it's it. There's, I th- I think because of um, familiarity over like decades is that D and D is very easy to run. I think your game will, will be easy to run. The learning curve will be um, inferred or presumed as complicated because it's symbolic and it's like, but it 
it demands narrative push. And that's, I, yes. think, I think that's what I've, because I've barely played D&D, but I love D&D memes, I love D&D culture, and it is definitely something that I wish I was doing more of. I, I don't think I've ever mentioned to you my idea of getting a a two-group system on a stage where, like, there's a D&D game happening either in the orchestra pit or on stage, like, on the left side of the stage, but then on the other side of the stage or on just the stage itself in the orchestra pit version, there is an improv group acting out, with or without props, everything that's happening in the campaign. I think you vaguely mentioned that. Yeah, um, I, I, mentioned this to, I mentioned this to Cody at Tyler's birthday, that I this is one of my... And I've heard this idea... I believe that any idea you have can be original, and I think mo- many people across the world can come up with the same idea in the same time period, which I think is like the ether of the universe trying to penetrate a great idea into the world, and one dumb fucker is going to get charcoal to paper before another, and that's how great poetry is made. Twas me, the dumb motherfucker with the charcoal! <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's a play out if you've ever listened to that TED Talk from the woman that wrote um, Eat, Pray, Love the Julia Roberts uh, movie from a, from the woman's book is that it's a re- it's a ancient redefining of genius and uh it was only in during the um renaissance or enlightenment period when genius got put on the person as opposed to genius was something that was some from another ether it's a, the 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 example she gives is where you have the tribal dance happening you know picture it africa of course like like some people will but you have a certain point where like one dancer performs to like this ungodly level like they're just channeling the cosmos and the next mm-hmm. day they're just exhausted and empty because they they know they can't reach that again but it's been it's the weight of that cosmic spiritual experience that moment of genius is sent out to the stars is sent out to another element that they that is not their responsibility and it's the the philosophy of there being a perfect example of every possible thing in the universe that we all pull from as our creative works like every chair there is a perfect chair somewhere in the ether that is without flaw it is the greatest chair that ever existed and every other chair that was ever made including the first chair was just an idea that somehow was pulled from that chair Mm-hmm. Which is like some weird philosophical. You're you're infecting me with the drunk. Something. Or I'm like just that. an idiot. There she is. <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert. There she is. Copy link address. Right. I'm gonna send that to you, and you can enjoy Thank that at will. Oh, let me just. There we go. Streamer in mode enabled. Okay. But yeah. So I but think yeah, you're you're right. There are people who are intimidated by the fact that they're, this isn't just a dice with numbers. Well, I think what's so fascinating about that, just when I run like the simulation in my head, is that this demands narrative um, development. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's something that is um, expected out of a D&D campaign. Um, it sort of is almost, it's almost a system that demands you provide more based on just the dice roll. Like as much as the dice roll provides chance and can, and then it sort of falls on the DM to decide whether or not that equates to absolute success, even if it's like a 19 or even a 20, this says, no, 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 this dice roll demands narrative. Yep. So like the, the number that would play out that would equal success of lifting the boulder. Sure. That happens. But now the DM must create narrative 
that builds this up. From the symbols that he was granted. Yes. And obviously severity could play, you know, a hand in that. Like you got three snake symbols. That was bad, which is why the gun fell down into the pit of despair. Yeah. But let's say you got a radiation symbol as well, which radiation and salvation don't cancel each other out. Yeah. They exist as their own separate evils. So you find the six shooter of salvation. And when you place the rock down, you accidentally place it on the six shooter, breaking the gun. And, and something like that. I, I, I always love trying to think of present moments as hindsight moments. And because mm-hmm. you, you know, you're sitting there like six years later, six sessions later, 20 years later going, I could have had that fucking thing. <laughs> it broke. It broke as I fucking found it. And that is such a massive emotional moment. It's so fucking great. Like, yeah. I wish I, had so, more, I wish I had more actual basic D, like 5e D and D experience to be able to more effectively like deliberate this. But as someone who's just like survived off D and D memes and sees this and goes like, there's so much easy like um, I would I would call it hindsight audience um, commentary even as a player that mm-hmm. lets you go like, but that moment was so fucking great because when you're a player you don't you you can't emote to it like an audience member does but i think once you are outside of the game like post game and like with time you can then become an audience member to your own tragedy and that just makes it so much more infinitely like i think it's what uh, it's the human it's the human trick of being able to laugh at your own pain after you've gotten exactly. over cancer basically schadenfreude um so another interesting part at least i believe about the system is most of the classes in the system aren't combat based well dnd is, is like dnd has a lot of combat like sort of focus dnd is a combat game mm-hmm. it is a combat simulator yeah which is fine i don't have a problem with that but there's not as much narrative in combat as there is in the rest of life yeah and so I wanted to build this around facilitating that rather than nothing but combat. So, so like, is this, was this a point that your supporting friends made? That your system was developing into a more narrative um, theme, per se, in its design? And that, I guess, maybe to that crowd, but provided a more attractive um, draw to it than just the pure than, than just the combat theme of classic D&D. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, they weren't very clear about it when they were... Uh, well, most people aren't good at articulating why they like things. Yeah. It's like, it makes my uh, penis feel good. Like, that's not a lot of analysis. Like, But that's why I like it. <laughs> and at the end of the day... De- oh, wait. <laughs> Out of context, I was not talking about his penis. Although I do like his penis. Don't 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 get me wrong. It's 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 very squirrely and delicious. Can you pass me the drink? <laughs> oh god. I think I'm gonna cramp my like not my quad, 
Uh, my hamstring. I'm going to cramp my hamstring. Don't do that. Yeah. Well, if I keep drinking, there's hope yet. <laughs> so that's 